Sherry Larjani is the president and founder of Spotlight Development, the ARIA Foundation, and has been instrumental in bringing affordable housing to the city. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to chatting with you. I think I read an article about you or something like that, and I just thought you were uh, such a breath of fresh air and the fact that you have done so much work as a developer in the world of affordable housing and, and wanted to kind of pick your brain about that. But before we get there, I'd love to learn more about you, Sherry. Tell me about your love for architecture. How did you how did you get into this business? Um, so thank you so much for that question. I um, I got into this industry by um, obviously, you know, studying architecture, but I don't think that was my way of uh, sort of into the development business because I don't think they introduced us to this sort of world uh, of development at all in school. Mm. So um, it took me a while to figure out that that's what I wanted to do. But I did know that I, you know, just just doing architecture alone wasn't something that I wanted to pursue um forever um but i think mixing it up with everything else that's included in as part of development was something that was very intriguing to me and i was um excited to do but you know it's not an easy field to get in and it doesn't come with a lot of education um you know about it so that you can easily get into it um but um i was lucky enough um that i had uh, you know people that saw some potential in me including my father-in-law who got me started and said you know what um i'll invest in you go and start your first project and it was a very small um single family home that i started in toronto mm. and that's sort of how everything uh, sort of shifted and that's how i got into this industry and the rest of it is a very long story but i can just summarize it for you i sort of um because I didn't come from a family that was in this industry and I didn't come from, um, you know, knowing a lot of people in this industry to be able to use their connections, I had to do a lot of door knocking and, as they say, cold calling and mm -hmm. finding a lot of partners um, that would basically walk me through this process, teach me and help me to get to where I am right now. So that's that's the story. <laughs> and I know that you've done a lot of advocacy work with trying to get uh, women involved in development and uh, kind of changing the tide of making it a, a welcoming place for women. Uh, mm -hmm. Does it continue to be a challenge for women developers, female developers? Yes, um, because it, I think if you ask someone to name um, more than one or two female developers, I think they'll have a hard time doing that. Mm. Um, I've been getting calls from different parts of the world, the, the country, where they said, oh, you guys are like unicorn. We've been looking for um, a woman developer in, in, this industry, in this country, and you know we had a hard time finding you guys. I think when you hear something like that, you realize that the tide hasn't shifted. And I think even in our industry um, and within um, the same, you know, the development industry between the people that I work with, uh, you still see uh, the problems that lead to women not wanting to stay in this industry or work in this industry as developers. Um, so yes, we did uh, our first project, which was, you know, a first all female project in you know what we thought was in Canada, but it happened to be um, you know basically the first project around the world, wow. um, which got us a lot of uh, sort of um, you know we got they got us in New York Times, it got wow. us in Oprah magazine, and so, so much more. But you know we that's when we realized that you know what we were feeling and what we were seeing in our uh, in our own city was something that was a bit more universal and it was happening everywhere. 
Um, and that is stereotype has the, the stereotype of what you would consider as a developer hasn't hasn't broken yet. So um, we are trying. Uh, I do know there are a lot of uh, strong women in this industry that are either starting or have been here. So the you know then nobody knows about them, yeah. but you know, our project brought many of the women in this industry in different fields um, sort of to the spotlight, which was, you know, for us, um, very, very, um, we were very proud of it. I love it. You should be proud. And I, I love the fact that you're leading the way uh, in just broadening the scope and the perspective of what women can do in development. I want to talk about ARIA Foundation. It is a charitable organization championing low-income families to become homeowners. Uh, why did you start this? How did you start it? It's just, it's so, I feel like out of the box sometimes when you hear the word developer, uh, sometimes that could be seen, even though we depend on obviously on, on people in your role in order to make uh, the homes that we live in, uh, you know, the idea of building homes and putting low income families first um, doesn't always coincide with, you know, the title of being a developer. So tell me why you That's started right. ARIA. So ARIA Foundation was, um, to be very honest, something that I um, started many years back um, mm -hmm. and established it, uh, but we didn't start working on it because the purpose of the, the foundation was so that we can um, have uh, a goal and a purpose and be able to help the, the uh, members of the community that are, you know, that are in need. And we could um, help them with housing. And um, I, we thought that that was a very big um, sort of important thing in our city that was missing. However, it didn't, um, it didn't really uh, work at that time because we didn't have a project to, to sort of work towards. Mm -hmm. And when our inclusive condo project through uh, our company started, which is the project where it's bringing a lot of non-for-profits around the table and partnering with them and providing housing at so many different levels and thresholds of, uh, of affordability, that's when it you know, it found so much more meaning than it did originally. And that's when we started to uh, pursue it. And, and actually, try. you know, as we speak, you know, we're doing a lot of different things through the foundation to be able to help our inclusive condo projects, um, and help, you know, through that project, help all the other non-for-profit partners that we have, um, that are working on, you know, the, the tackling this problem, and they've been doing it for many years. And that's what we need right now in the city. You know, we were just speaking with the CEO of Young Street Mission, Angie Peters, last week, and they have gotten together a number of, um, you know, people within the city um, to discuss how do we build affordable housing. And what she says is what, you know, affordable housing and deep affordable housing are very different, you know, because those living and you, you probably know this very well, Sherry, those living in uh, low income situations can't afford the quote unquote affordable housing in this city. And so mm -hmm. going that level and understanding what is needed uh, in order for people just to exist in Toronto is uh, quite a challenge. You have a nonprofit spotlight affordable ventures. And as you mentioned, uh, you have this project, the inclusive, tell me a little bit about more about this. Cause this sounds like an amazing community that you are endeavoring and creating. Thank you. Um, so yes, um, we, I do agree that the, 
the affordability, um, you know, has so many different meanings. And I think if you're not catering to the right people and addressing the right problems, you're never going to be able to tackle it. Mm. However, I should say that housing alone is not something that's going to be solving the problem of affordability. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, looking at it in silo and with the lens of a developer and saying, here you go, I'll give you 20 units of, you know, um, uh, below market rental is still not going to do it because now we know what market rates are and those market rates and even below market rates aren't going to do it, as you just said, for many people in our city. But I think it's it goes way beyond that. So our project, we currently have two projects on the go. One is in Toronto at Black Creek and Lawrence, which is going to be um, bringing more than 1,500 units of housing, which is a mix of rental as well as ownership. And we have many partners around the table that we were able to um, bring um, to this project and they start with Wood Green Community Services for our rental component, Good Shepherd, again, doing rental. We have Habitat for Humanity. We have, uh, you know, Black North Initiative. We have Trillium Housing. We are dedicating a percentage to Indigenous housing. Um, we are also doing uh, veterans housing because to me, there, the, most of the groups that are part of the any of these non-for-profits are underserved. And I think they're not just underserved when it comes to housing, as I mentioned. They are underserved because they don't have access to the right tools to be able to understand what's out there, what's available for them, and also be able to um, help themselves with other uh, means of life to be able to get through this crisis of affordability. So our projects, we do not only bring housing, and we do not only focus on housing, we do it in a community-based form where we say, you want to live in this uh, project, we will provide you with options, which is very deep affordable rentals, very deep affordable ownerships, but also we will show you the way up, which mm -hmm. is if you do well and if you can, we will show you how you can, um, you know, move on and, you know, become um, a homeowner through Trillium or through, you know, our mortgage fund, uh, or you can um, buy a market unit or you can, um, you know, you know, venture out and do something else with the, with the money that you make. So I think it's a matter of also educating people a bit through our system, but we are also providing a lot of um, community benefits. So one of the things that we're doing is we're working with a different and food banks where we are going to do this extremely seamlessly where our community members don't have to make a choice of between putting a food on their table or uh, paying rent or paying a mortgage so that they can access um you know, food, uh, they can access, um, you know, employment services. We have, we're working with all of our partners. We have employment services on site through our partners so that if someone goes through the problem of losing their job, they don't have to worry. They can go to them. They can, they can help them find jobs. We wow. also work a company called Brands for Canada. And these are things that some of them might seem like, oh, it doesn't happen in Canada because I've heard this many times. Yeah. We have a welfare and this just doesn't happen. But Brands for Canada is a company that has been doing work where they provide clothing, hygiene products, grooming services, dress for success. And believe it or not, in our country, there are girls that don't go to school during their period because they can't afford to buy hygiene products. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about that, it, it, it's sad 
to even hear something like this exists in our country. And, you know, um, they, we work with them and we, you know, we provide those, um, those uh, means to the families that live within our project. But we also, on top of that, something else that's very close to my heart as a mom of two uh, is care for children. Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, there has been studies done in different areas of our city where they see the problems um, get worse than escalate as far as crime is concerned. And that's a concern that everybody is now talking about in our city. And they think, oh, well, you know what? Um, it's coming from this and that. No, it's coming from not having proper access to everything, including housing. Absolutely. So, uh, Sherry, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to hear more about the inclusive because I have so many questions out of what you said. Uh, but we'll take a quick break and we'll return with Sherry Larjani. Stay with us. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend. We're back with Sherry Larjani. She's president of Spotlight Development and the ARIA Foundation. And before the break, Sherry, you were so passionately talking about the inclusive, this new project that you are uh, working on developing for affordable housing. You're working alongside uh, organizations like Habitat for Humanity. You mentioned Good Shepherd as well. Uh, there's going to be 24-hour daycare, job training, a food bank, uh, a Brands for Canada store that donates clothing and hygiene items, uh, and it will be located at Black Creek and Lawrence. When uh, can people? When will people start moving into uh, this new complex? Um, so, um, considering that we have two projects, um, one in uh, Toronto and one in Kitchener-Waterloo, which is again the same so same um, sort of size and. Um, even bigger um, and closer to um, construction. We assume that our project in Kitchener will be um, ready a little bit earlier than Black Creek and Lawrence okay. uh, for people to be able to sign up through all of our partners and through through us uh, to be able to um, live in this community. And um, we think that it will be between the construction will hopefully start in Kitchener for in the next 18 months. Okay. Now I heard the passion in you know and how you were describing this uh, this development. I know our listeners did. That comes from somewhere. Why are you so passionate about building affordable housing in this city? Um, honestly, I, I I get that question a lot, and it's funny because it's not always in a positive tone, you know. Because being a developer, you're you're meant to to be doing. Um, things the conventional way and um, your end game has to be you know that you will give certain profits back to um, your investors or the mm -hmm. bank or or yourself but for me I think it's it's providing this type of community oriented you know services and housing goes beyond that I think you know it, it is to me a way to tackle poverty. It is a way to be able to make people's lives different. And I think I was, I, I was raised by a father who made sure I understood that my way of life is not the only way of life. Um, and that even though I did have the privilege of not having to worry about many things, there were people that worried about it. And I think he did that at a very early age so that, I think it kind of instilled in me uh, till now where I see the problems. I don't just close my eyes and say, you know, it doesn't exist and it's not my, none of my business. So I think that um, feeling of caring about the people that um, live in your city, live in your country, and the fact that they are going through so much hardship 
and that you can do something about it. So then do it is something that's making me, um, you know, work on this project. And it's not, it hasn't been easy. You know, it's a very challenging project. It's a very challenging industry. And I am, um, again, as you mentioned, a woman and it is not um, the, and not as old as many of the colleagues in the industry. Yeah. And I think it just, um, it's a challenge, but I think it's a challenge worth fighting for. And um, and I'm excited to be doing it. You know, Sherry, one thing that I continuously hear from leaders in, you know, all, all walks of life, but is that they saw a problem and they knew that they could help fix it. They didn't just see it and keep walking. Exactly what you said. They saw a problem and said, how can I make this better? And I think that is, that's a leader. And, you know, I think that's what really jumped out, out at me uh, when I read this article on you. It was just, you saw a problem and you're like, how do I fix it? So, you know, when you look at the mayoral race right now, there are 59 candidates. Can't believe it, Sherry. 59 people are running for the seat of mayor in the city. Uh, what is standing out for you when it comes to conversation around affordable housing and what you're hearing from some of the candidates? So if I were to be very frank, even though yeah. I'm speaking radio right now, I think the problem starts with us not having a proper system to get the qualified people to apply to be um, to to apply to run for a mayor in our city. Mm. To be honest with you, first and foremost, there are a lot of people on the list that are qualified and more than qualified to be running for the mayor. But as we know, the fact that we have 59 people, we're never going to have a majority mayor. And I think that's that's that to me is sad because we're not going to have the mayor for the for most of the people in the city that said um and without um naming names there are few of the candidates that i personally do know mm, okay and i have worked and heard them speak and i think most of them are are talking about the right things but i think they still need to put um, a, a lot stronger stance on certain things and um i think you know affordable housing everybody talks about it but I do not hear the solutions that they're suggesting. I do not hear how they are going to tackle it. And I think I do hear about crime. And I think um, in some way, shape or form, affordability and crime could be connected. There are many people that, you know, get into that sort of world um, unexpectedly because there are they are not making um, ends meet and they end up there. Yeah. So I, I just think that everything is related and they should be talking about it as uh, a complete um, sort of look at what is the problem and how we can tackle it. So I'm hoping and I'm waiting to hear that from the candidates. Um, some of them, as I said, I do support and I do like, um, and I'm just waiting on them to come out with, you know, the, the magic that they're going to bring to our city. I have a I have about a minute and a half left for you, Sherry, but I want, what's your take on Toronto right now? As you look across this beautiful city, what is, what is your take on where we're at at this moment? As you said, our city is beautiful, but um, there is an underlying problem and I think it needs to be addressed. And, um, and I, I, I honestly think that um, I, I love the city. I work in the city and, and I, have so much passion to make it so much better. Mm -hmm. And I think we're working towards that. Um, what is the slow. one key thing that you think, the number one thing that you think we need to work better on? 
solving the issue of crime in yeah. our cities and uh, housing affordability. Yeah. Those are the, the two important things in our city. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sherry. You are doing amazing work. Uh, all the best on this new project, The Inclusive. I think mm -hmm. about all the families that are going to live better and safer because of people like you that are investing in them and their future. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me.